0: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level, from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club. Joining me
1: now on the Tour Coach Podcast, joining me on this long ride. my it was turned into a 16-hour ride with my dog down to the Keys and not to my house. Is Dana Dahlquist. and he for sure is the epitome of the tour coach. One of the nicest guys out there. He's had tremendous success. Worked with a bunch of great players. Dana, thanks for sitting in with me, and uh, appreciate it. I've enjoyed the opportunities over the last couple of years to talk with you a little bit and get to know you more. And looking forward to doing that more. Uh, you're doing a hell of a job out there. I know you're busy.
2: Well, I try to keep up with you, Tony. How are you, How are you doing?
1: <laughs> well, you're you're gonna get behind them. We tell you, but no, you put uh, put great stuff out there on Instagram. And, one thing I always tell folks when they, and I want sure I, I think I know what you'll say, but everybody's like, oh man, go to tour events, teach tour players. It's cool, man. That's got to be great. And I'm like, it's not as glamorous as everybody thinks.
2: <laughs> that is very true. That's very true. It's, um, I mean, we, you and I have been doing this for a while and I, I think the longer I do it, the more I realize that, you know, for somebody to make any change or significant improvement, we got to do things away from a tournament and, I think that's probably like the, the older I get, the more the realization is: I'm just going to stay home and, and do this. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's just it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, you and I are probably on the road a lot. I mean, there's there's no doubt. And I just think it's it's an interesting situation because you know, there's not a whole lot that we can really do at a tournament outside of the fact of like to, you know, bring support to the table. I mean, do you agree
1: with that? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, my personality is way much less, like, in a tournament,
0: like,
1: I don't like to introduce new stuff at all, right? And I know there's teachers yeah. that probably may be a little more risky at that. Chris Como, and I've talked about where he said sometimes he thinks it's worth it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've never had much success trying something at a tournament, you know?
2: Yeah, and yeah.
1: I've had more success seeing a guy that it wasn't great but making him feel like he was doing it great <laughs> and yeah. he believing in himself and go, you know, make some putts and get some stuff going. So, you know, yeah, the longer I do it, the more I like working away from a tournament. You know, it's just hard. You know, it's hard. And because there's lots of distractions, too. They've got, they've got family coming out or they've got their girlfriend coming out and they want to do that stuff. And yeah you know, I I will say that the COVID thing kind of did reduce distractions a little bit because there were less people out
2: there. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I don't know. I think it's, um, now this obviously falls and this is me personally, I'm not talking about Uh you, but like, it's an interesting one because every year I think it kind of falls back to that whole scenario where, you know, I have kind of like a perfect mindset as far as what, I'd love to see in a perfect world of how a golf swing should look and everything. And boy, it becomes an interesting puzzle when somebody has been out there for so long doing things uniquely that right. it, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's just very interesting to watch how a preconceived narrative of, Oh, well, I did this in 1982 and therefore it works now. And it's pretty odd. I mean, you and I would, look at angle, well, it's pretty obvious you weren't doing that in 1982. But, you know, it's because right. we couldn't measure anything like we do now. But yeah, I just find it very interesting where now, I mean, we legitimately can say, well, there's no way that you actually did do that. And Most of these younger guys coming up are far more orthodox mm-hmm. in many, many ways than, you know, the guys, at least in my generation, you know, the guys in their 40s. And I think that's a little bit it's kind of it kind of curtails the, the, the issues, but yeah, it's just, it's just fascinating where, you know, I, I had a kid come out the other day. He was a very nice young man. He's a good player, beautiful golf swing. And it was neat because he knew all of his, He knew everything that he needed to know about his, his spin loft and his launch angles, landing angles and everything. It was great. And I go, well, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, right. What, what do I need to do? <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting one. So, yeah, I think I think the big thing, Tony, is just if we could literally do our job at home and then not do as much on the tournament weeks. I think that's the way things should go, or maybe they will go.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree 100. In fact, I said to Lucas this week, I said, "You know, I'm like, if the players. You had one of the best range sessions I've seen in the five years I've worked with you, right?" Mm-hmm. And then he made the cut. He played okay, but he and he had, you know, but he started off not great. He had one day he striped it, and but you know, I was like, I mean, I, I'm a, I don't know that there's any reason for me to be there on Wednesday, but like, you should be yeah. ready to go by. You know, that yeah. kind of was my thinking, and like, you know, it was nice like this week, like had a real nice session. Just alone on a Monday because there was nobody there. You know, yeah. I think that like trying to find those times seems to be more important than than others. And, and what I've tried to do is I'm fortunate that I've got a veteran and I got a couple young guys. You know, I've tried to get the veteran for them to play together because I think they can all learn something from each other. Like you, you know, But yeah. they all have different strengths. So you know, to me, like that's the best thing to do at a tournament week is to walk and watch them on the golf course. But I mean, I just yeah, I'm I don't do a lot of swing work or make very many suggestions, and unless it's yeah. you know it's a panic mode where a guy's hitting it awful and I you know I don't know that many of us have much success putting that. There's gonna be teachers that claim that they do, but I I, I don't. Yeah. see it often.
2: yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I have a, actually a question for you about that. So. How responsive are the younger guys to Lucas? Because that was actually something before you even mentioned it. Do the younger players, because Lucas is probably my age or so, and he's been out there for a long time. He's been highly successful. He's, you know, one of the nicest guys out there. So yeah, sure. are the younger guys responsive to, you know, like that that amount of wisdom? I mean, do they
1: my, ask a question? Mine are, you know. And, in fact, we joke. I call him team. Okay. Okay. And like, you know, Monday we were doing some work and I said, uh, I'm kind of pitching in and helping Brady Riggs out a little with Brandon because 'cause yep. I'm on the road more than Brady and he's in Hawaii a bunch and you know, I was I said, Hey, do you mind let's all play together in the morning you yeah. know. So he shoots Robbie Shelton and Brady at uh, Brandon at the and puts it all together and we play play yeah. holes together and you know, and then at Honda, you know, Robbie's really struggled as of late, and I feel like he's turning a corner. But, you know, I feel like he got caught maybe chasing distance and listening to a lot of stuff. And we've yeah. kind of gotten this where we've gone back to trying to do what he did when he played really good golf in college. And, and yeah. uh, it was great. Like, we're on the range kind of struggling at Honda. And Lucas just stepped in and took over the whole lesson. I didn't really talk for 45 minutes. Beautiful. Beautiful. And he was like, look, you can't play out here doing this. Yeah, like, And you need to do this. And, you know, it was interesting. So back to your point was we're walking off. And, you know, Robbie said, like, man, it's great to have a veteran willing to step in and tell you that.
2: That's great. That's really great. It's it's How funny you say that because, yeah, it, it, well, it's interesting because there was a, when when we, well, not we, but when the tour was at Cordova, Lucas mm-hmm. was on the putting ring. And there was some chatter about are any of the younger guys talking to guys that have been out there. And Lupus was one of the guys that was there on the putting green. And Yeah, he, he did find it kind of puzzling that it wasn't done more often. And I think, I mean, I, I you know, my idols growing up would be like, you know, Davis Love and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Fred Couples and Nick Faldo. And I could just imagine if I was in nineteen twenty twenty one, 21, you know, going onto the driving range and seeing those guys there. You know, I would try to wait by the first tee, you know, and hopefully get a game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, to that point, you mentioned
1: Davis. So, you know, there was some point a year or two ago, and, you know, I think Lucas and I were, you know, we were right going to dinner or something down at at a tournament, or maybe it was down in South Florida, and I Mm -hmm. I thanked him for doing it. You know, I was like, man, I just appreciate it, because it makes my job easier. I I love watching my young guys grow as people and as players and, and he said, "Well, man, he's like all I'm doing is what Davis and you know those guys did for me." And he's like, yeah. "You know, Davis did that to me when I was coming out." And and I and I think that that's a cool thing about the game that we're in is that yeah, uh, you know, there's a portion of them that feel like carrying it on, and I, I ask, i not for it, but I have my young tour players do the same thing with my college players. Oh, that's really good. You know? And yeah. because, like, it's like, you know, because, like, they were the college player at one time that needed help, and, sure. and then you get college players to do it to your juniors, and, like, I think that's the cool thing about the game that we're in, and it can help people, and I, I think, you know, I'd love your thoughts on this, but, and I think it does as much for the veteran player because I gotta think that being out there for seventeen eighteen years playing and you you know make money and you're playing for money and the redundancy of it, and you know at times probably is hollow and and gets tiring and but to have a chance to do something where you can help somebody and it probably makes you feel them feel as good as the guy they're helping,
2: oh, for sure, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, there's no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Well, cool. I think the cool. same in teaching too. I think like you know, I like I mean at,
1: uh, you know, at American Express. I, mean, I was sitting at a, I was sitting there having, you know, probably something unhealthy I was eating, but I was sitting <laughs> there and, and I was sitting there and you know, Chuck Cook's walks up for, her. he sat there and I walked up and we sat there and you know, I started showing him videos of somebody. Yeah. And then he yeah. walked he walked eighteen he walked eighteen holes. I think Robbie played with Andrew Landry and he was like, man, here's kind of. He goes, man, I love it, but here's kind of what it's like. I, I, you know, I, I like, you know, I, I like that part of what we do, and and yeah. you know, yeah. the ability to call you, text you, and say, hey, I know you're busy, you might hop it on because I'm going to learn something from talking to you today. Well, uh, that's kinda the cool part, and I know there's people that don't do it, and I know there's people and we won't mention names that think they're too cool and too smart to talk to us, but, yeah. but you know, the, the, those are the, but, you know, I think, but I think you can learn a lot by doing that.
2: Yeah. That's, that's the one part there's, I mean, I could name Oh, I don't need to, but yeah, that the guy, right. So if I, that's the cool thing where, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. On, oh I think it was in St. Louis. There was a rain delay in the morning we're all in the caddy lounge and, uh, you know, Butch is in there, Pete, mm-hmm. but I'm sitting with, Robert Rock, who else, Liam, all the European guys, so the European coaches, and I'm sitting there, and they're, you know, essentially all kind of from the same school, they're all like originally Mac O'Grady guys, so, and it was funny because I think uh, there was another Mac guy, I think I can say it it now, is Matt Belsham was there, but, because he's not in (laughs) anymore, but (laughs) At at the time. Uh, there was a, a caddy walk by and he goes, well, I'm going to take a picture. <laughs> and you should have seen Matt's face like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But that's what they were doing. They were, um, you know, Fleetwood's coach was there too. We're all sitting. And I remember, I think it was, somebody was working with uh, this kid, Tim, who plays on the uh, European tour. And we're just passing the phone around, just looking at the film. <laughs> it Isn't that pretty cool funny? though? Yeah, that's the way it should be. That's really the way it should be, you know. You know but, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone twice to observe
1: Butch, teacher, golf uh-huh. And, you know, it's, one of, it's still like, I guess I've done two years in a row, COVID pushed one of them back, but, like, it's still one of the cooler things i Gone and done teaching, even with all the things I've been lucky to do, and yeah. you know, last time I get to the end, it's the end of the school. I'm gonna fly back that next morning early, and you know, I'm kind of trying to find the right time to ask, you know, because you know, you've yeah. been teaching all day. And I said, hey, you, you might look at these couple videos, and he was like, no. I mean, it was like no. Pull your phone out, and you know, I showed him an Andy Ogletree video, and I showed him a Robbie Shelton video, and you know, I, and and I and it was cool for me, and and I mean, he, you know, he seemed to be cool with it, and and hey, you know what though, like my players, when I went to him and said, hey, you know, we kind of been struggling with them, I, I think they appreciated that, you know, yeah. they're like, not too, uh, I
2: don't know, you know, you're not too proud to go think you know everything and to ask for help. Sure, yeah, hundred percent. Well, this is that weird profession where you know, if you look at the medical field, you know, people will actually talk to other doctors about certain procedures or whatnot. I mean, it's just inherently common. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's fear of loss or whatnot, people tend to, you know, shy away from that. And, you know, we're all all good at certain things. I know I'm not, I don't necessarily teach putting, let's say, or chipping or things of that nature, not saying I can't, but you know, I tend to defer that. And, but for the regular player, I'll give them a putting lesson, but if there's somebody who's making a living at it and I know somebody who's better at it than me, then I'll defer it. And, you know, I think that's highly important. And I don't think that if we don't, you know, react properly in the long run, it won't work out for the player. And I, that's, that's what we have to understand. So no question about it. No, I I agree. Well, when you talk about like you, you kind of touched on
1: like hey you know we have the ability to you know measure and we know we all we know what we think would be our ideals. So what are the what are the traits? You know if you had like a, you know if you had a piece of clay that's a, a golf mm-hmm. a young player that's you know no physical limitations. He's strong as hell. will will be able to pound it. What are the things that like you would instill in that player as far as like a golf swing? What are the things you like?
2: Well, I think number one, you know, there's an. Yeah, for me to learn. Yeah. uh, Yeah, Yeah. so I'm kind of favorable, partial to a kind of a centered looking swing. That could be interpreted in many ways. It doesn't mean that the player's not moving mass around, but I I think that gets, you know, if we go on the internet armchair category where guys go, they lose their minds on stuff. But I think inherently a pretty centered looking golf swing, I think it's easier for me to self-correct that player than somebody who has unique things going on as far as the movement. Right. And it's particularly when a player goes through their transition and you know, everything's kind of on top of each other. So that's kind of the number one thing I look for is if a player from P4 to P5 that they're, you know, kind of, kind of in a a recentered position per se and that their pressure is left at that point so that they're able to rotate, push back and all that kind of good stuff. So, that's kind of the, the, the number one thing as far as like, you know, particular hand path options, I think, and I have both sides of the spectrum. I have guys that are lower I have guys that are higher, but if you said, Hey, to mold it, you know, we would tend to be a little bit more where the hands are just slightly above the turn shoulder plane, let's just say. So not under it, not like Hogan necessarily, but slightly above, maybe like a Fleetwood or a, Adam Scott type hand path. And then I think the other piece is that a player is able to, you know, have, I would say the, the, the least amount of rate of closure on the face. So that does bring in a little bit more of a complex conversation, but as far as not having the club face rotate about itself in a haphazardly way, like those, those are like the main things. And from there, you know, it turns into more of a vanity thing. You know, sure. I, I don't think that beyond that point. I mean, I have some players that, you know, might have a little more bow to risk, some players that play from extended risk, but they tend to match those things up. But just some neutrality in there is a good thing. Right. And yeah. And as far as impact dynamics with a driver, it's all relative to speed. So I tend to have most, my guys tend to stay about one to two up. If they're players, if they're longer driver guys, they're hitting six, seven up. If they're a female player, they're between two to four. And all within the context is still having a pretty stable axis of rotation. So they're not, you know, people think hitting up, they're going to tilt back and swing out. Like that's not in the program. So, but that in all essence is kind of what we're kind of looking for, at least on my end of the spectrum. I love that. And I mean, I I
1: wanted to hear that because you've had tremendous success and guys play their ass off and and, you know we come from different sides and different I just wanted to see how it compared you know yeah
2: But I would imagine you're pretty close to the same from what I've seen yeah, with your teacher. I teaching. like it. I like it centered, pretty centered, right. Um, yeah. You know,
1: doesn't mean I don't have some guys get more pressure behind it. You know, I've done some of that. You know, I've done a, know, I've done a fair amount of stuff with Dr. Lynn, Dr. Scott yeah. Lynn, and he's kind of a big part. But like when they test those people that are way more left side, like for a right-handed player. I kind yeah. of tell him, like, I'm not really going to do that. You know, they guess that, you know, like I still like them centered, but a little bit more behind it. And, yeah, you know, for me, I don't talk about rate of closure much because, I mean, yeah, it's just not my lingo. But, like, yeah. I, I always talk about, I, to me, guys that are really good players have a real quiet club face going through the ball.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and yep.
1: and I use Lucas as an example. Um, like he hits a pretty big draw, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you show a kid on videos a good player, but that face is kind of flinging through there. Uh-huh. You show Lucas is hitting a bigger draw than that kid, but the face isn't flinging over there all the way. Right, you know? right. And so, yeah, I would I'd say we have and you know, like I've got guys that draw it more, and I've got guys that fade it. But you know, if I was putting uh perfect player together it would be you know i like a good hip turn into the right hip you know if Mm -hmm. they're able to do that um you know center pivot and you know and and a quiet face going through and then you know like uh and then kind of go from there you know with what they're able to do and what they already do you know frustrates me when i see some kids i've had some kids come to me and you know kids are decent little and everybody you know kid had a shitty grip and a real bent, uh, you know, shut face at the top. And they just told him, didn't change it because, well, Dustin Johnson does that. You know and I'm like? <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, you see that, yeah. right? And I'm not picking yeah. on some teachers, but like, well, this kid ain't Dustin Johnson.
2: Like, yeah. And
1: I would yeah. smarter if I think if BJ came to me, I wouldn't try to change him. But, yeah. like, this kid was a... And DJ doesn't have a shitty grip, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, um, you know, so it's interesting. I mean, I was just curious what, what you thought. What about influences? Who who are your big influences on your teaching?
2: Well, I mean, early on, obviously, O'Grady and, you know, I've spent a fair time with Bobby Laskin, who's, you know, still a good friend. And, you know, here in Long Beach, we have other teachers, Jamie Mulligan. And mm. um, so I spent a little time around him. But I think those are like the early on ones. And, and you know, lately... You know, the past, like, gosh, how many years is this? I'd say, like, let's say 12 years of teaching Tor Caliber-type players. You know, had a stint there with Mike and Andy, the Stack and Tilt guys. It's kind of a divergence yep. from Morad. And then yeah. Chris Como, Kwan, Mike Duffy, you know, Scott, another guy. That's more like in the biomechanics world. And what's interesting, yep. and this is just where my brain goes with things, is, like, how to mold what I did when I was – you know, under Morad into what's going on with current science and then trying to dumb it down into a way that's usable. And that's always been kind of the plight because, you know, I, I'm not inherently what I would consider to be a smart guy. Like, I don't try to do that. I try to make sure that, that, that I'm relatable at least. And I think what's important is that when we start getting into, you know, graphs and stuff, it just doesn't, Correlate over to you know the people we talk to, and I think that's where things have gotten a, a heck of a lot better. But even yeah. TrackMan, I mean, when TrackMan came out and we're using it on the range, people look at us like, "Well, you're crazy because you know this is really complex." Well, you know they 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 even dumbed it they dumbed it down when they took VSP and made it swing plane, and HSP made it swing direction, and they started making it more usable for us and players so that they can perform better. And right. at the end of the day, it's it's ironic to, you know, now go on Instagram and probably what is the most coveted videos that people like are watching, you know, Bob Goldby and, you know, old swings of Gary Halberg and what they what they did and see how relevant it is. You know, I think that's what's really cool. So, you know, at the end of the day, golf is golf. You'll need to plot it around the golf course and make it more pot. And at least in our world, it's, you know, it, it sounds, you know, Tony, you and I are looking for someone's things, so but we just communicate it. For right. And Absolutely. That's what's awesome. That's what the
1: beauty of teaching is to me, you know, and, and I think you know, that's why I wanted to, I, you know, and, and sometimes I do these podcasts because I I'll bring on somebody I know people want to hear. Sometimes yeah. I bring somebody on because I want to know more about you because you're successful. And, and I've enjoyed the opportunity to talk to you a few times out there and, I think you can always learn from people that are successful at what they do. And, you know, just think it's, you know, it's kind of one of the cool things. Like, I, you know, I came up under Hank Johnson, who was a great, you know, he's a top 50 guy, big golf digest teacher, mm-hmm. and Tom Ness and Mark Wood and Wayne Glenn. And they, you know, they were kind of more golf machine guys.
2: Yeah. And yeah.
1: the same type of path like you talked about. So now I find myself using. You know Colby too, yeah, who's a great fitness guy out there, and yeah. and then using Doctor Scott Lynn and trying to figure out how to use the stuff that they're doing and having success and make that make right. sense with what I learned how to do.
2: Yeah, yeah. Colby's got a pretty impressive stable, doesn't he? Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'll yeah. say like I tell people all the time, he's been the biggest influence
1: on my teaching in the last three, four, five years. Oh, that's awesome uh, because he's helped me. He's helped me make better teaching the stuff I like to teach away right. from the golf ball where they're doing stuff with bands and different things that he's helped me kind of expand my ways to help people. That's awesome. and, and it's been cool and I've learned a lot. And it's been fun kind of taking Scott Lynn and him and putting them in a room together because you've got a tune ass from Louisiana and then you got a <laughs> you know and then you got a scientist from Canada and then you got a fat Italian guy all in the room trying to figure it out <laughs> so, and, and coming from different perspectives. So it's it's been interesting, you know, doing that. You know, all of those guys have been really cool, like teaching juniors and developing young people is what I love to do most. And to, to have them be able to come to, like, a place like Frederica and spend time with 16-year-olds that are trying to get good is kind of a cool deal. You know? Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Most definitely.
1: Another question I'm going to ask you, like, you know, you talked about, like, you do better, you, you know, you, we do better with them if we weren't doing it off the road. Do you get tired of the traveling, and do you think do you think we can eventually get players to understand that we don't need to be out
2: there as much? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there is a business model to to be out there, and I think that inherently needs to change. I think, you know, if we go back and just look to Jack Grauk, scenario, right? Jack Jack did just fine without Jack. He did okay. Yeah, he did okay. So I think we tend to, two two things occur. Either we feel like we're going to lose a player because they're not going to have the insight to do something to last someone else. That's inherently true and I'll say it. But the second part is that we either didn't communicate enough in the off-season or make a precedent that the player needs to be in the off-season and we need to be with them at a point in time, mm-hmm. and then set up a, uh, a conceptual framework of an idea that the player needs to develop. So whether it be practice routines or something mechanical or, you know, even something as simple as like, hey, you're doing a change to your equipment, you need to do that also in the off-season. So you try to correlate the two. Like if you're successful hitting one driver, for an entire season or two seasons, and then you're going to switch drivers mid-season, that's kind of a problem. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't really work. And therefore, the instruction side should be kind of held in the same regard. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. But you see you know, a driver change, a putter change, a wedge change, an iron change. Oh, we're going to switch teachers. And it just gets – you know, nothing ever gets to become solidified to the fact that I can perform at a high enough level. So – that's what's kind of unique about the position we're in is at some point that needs to, in my mind, at least happen. Right. But I think because of the ease of access and everybody saying yes to everybody, it becomes, you know, too easy to go to a, a range at a tour event, you know, week in and week out. So I, and some guys, it's like having somebody there, you know, I, I understand that, but I think in my regard, you know, heck, I'm busy at home and you know, you know, given six to eight less of a day here, is it really a benefit for me or a benefit for the player? I don't yeah. know. That's the head scratcher. So I don't know. Uh, what's your thought on that? Well, I think that originally,
1: I think it's like when you first go out, it's a fear that if you don't go out there and they struggle, they're going to listen to somebody else, and then you're going to get fired, right? Yeah. You yeah. know? And then I think, I mean, I certainly fell into that. And yeah. I think it's like you become a victim of your own, Deal of you're out there so much they kind of expect you to be out there, then you don't know how the hell to get out of it. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know? Yeah.
1: But I agree. I mean, I'm on board a 100%. I don't know that. I mean, I think there's times it's really good to be out there, and yeah. I think you can do some good. But as far as like what you and I really love to do, which is teaching them, and, so I, I don't know that we do a ton of teaching there.
2: I think we do coaching. I don't know that yeah. we do very much teaching when we're at school. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. And, that, and that's that's you know, <laughs> to be fair, Tony, that's not that wasn't my forte ten years ago. <laughs> right, I was I was trying to problem solve and not coach, <laughs> and so learning lessons on probably both sides as far as the player, you know, listening or the, <laughs> or the teacher teaching.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: but you know, you, you kind of learn the hard way. But and I, I think I'm the exact opposite. I think I
1: you know, I heard somebody comment about me I'm, yeah, it kind of insulted me at first. It was like, uh, I have great soft skills and great at communicating and great at coaching. I kind of took that as I wasn't very good at X's and O's and all of that. All right. uh, you know, learned that, like, you can't be great at everything, right? And, yeah. and so I've surrounded myself with people that are better at that. And, and I think that I'm obviously more than adequate, and I, I'm always
2: trying to learn. Amen.
1: <laughs> and I think that's also why there's some teams of people that work well together.
2: You know? Yeah, 100%. Well, this has been fun. One, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy at home. Two, kudos on all the success. Thank you, and yourself included. And uh, we need to go have a beer sometime when we're out there. Absolutely.
3: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this make sure to hit subscribe apple podcast spotify wherever you are listening to this podcast you can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level make sure to subscribe and stay tuned if you want to learn more about tony head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to maybe you want to see him grab a lesson or go to one of his camps pick up his book lessons from the legends you can do that there if you want to see tony in action with some videos and other content head over to golfsciencelab.com slash tony to get more info there this episode was powered by the golf science lab and was edited mixed and produced by just hit Publish productions
0: We go into year two of the tour coach, it wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long time, long withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other. And we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I want to give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time. And that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with. And not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first-class people. And they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers. And also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines. Hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job, and they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers, and we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to The Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, Strixon Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines. And keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on The Tour Coach.